Pastor Daniel text, uh, Pastor Floyd and I, and he said he wished he could be here this today. He's away, the family's away, and he wanted to be here on this victorious, monumental day of the church. He said when we come here this morning, it'd be a day of rejoicing, and I, and I hope it is because here at Grace Point Gospel Fellowship, we believe in life in the womb. And we believe the overturning of Roe versus Wade is an answer to prayer for decades. Decades. There are people that have been praying. They're now home in heaven that didn't get to see this day, but God still answers and honors prayer. And so we need to give God a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, you may be seated. We're going to get to Acts chapter 10 in a moment. But I want you to know that somewhere in this country, there was a baby scheduled to be killed and in some places it will not happen and we thank God for that we also know where New York stands which means we need to be ready as a church to be able to reach out to people that will be hurting broken and confused we're going to talk about some of that today it's in Acts chapter 10 but God wants to prepare us he wants to use us but we thank God for this day Acts chapter 10 before we get there we Pastor Anderson said, just mentioned the, the last part of Acts chapter 9. Two miracles take place at the end of Acts chapter 9. We're going to turn there. <clears throat> and Peter, God uses the Apostle Peter, and he stays in a place called Joppa. Now, we're going to read all the verses that Pastor Daniel had given to me. It's 29 verses, so stay with me. Acts chapter 10, starting in verse 1. In Caesarea, there lived a Roman army officer named Cornelius, who was a captain of the Italian regiment. He was a devout, God-fearing man, as was everyone in his household. He gave generously to the poor, prayed regularly to God. One afternoon, about three o'clock, he had a vision in which he saw an angel of God coming toward him. Cornelius, the angel said. Cornelius stared at him in terror. What is it, sir? He asked the angel. And the angel replied, your prayers and gifts to the poor have been received by God as an offering. Now send some men to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He is staying with Simon, a tanner who lives near the seashore, a person who works with leather. As soon as the angel was gone, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier, one of his personal attendants. He told them what had happened and sent them off to Joppa. Verse 9, the next day as Cornelius' messengers were nearing the town, Peter went up on the flat roof to pray. It was about noon and he was hungry. But while a meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the sky open and something like a large sheet was led down by its four corners. In the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles and birds. Then a voice said to him, get up, Peter, kill and eat them. No, Lord, Peter declared, I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure and unclean. But the voice spoke again, do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. The same vision was repeated three times, then the sheet was suddenly pulled up to heaven. Peter was very perplexed. What could the vision mean? Just then the men sent by Cornelius 
found Simon's house. And standing outside the gate, they asked if a man named Simon Peter was staying there. Meanwhile, as Peter was puzzling over the vision, the Holy Spirit said to him, Three men have come looking for you. Get up, go downstairs, and go with them without hesitation. Don't worry, for I have sent them. So Peter went down and said, I'm the man you're looking for. Why have you come? They said, We were sent by Cornelius, a Roman officer. He is a devout and God-fearing man, well-respected by all the Jews. A holy angel instructed him to summon you to his house so that he can hear your message. So Peter invited the men to stay for the night. The next day he went with them accompanied by some of the brothers from Joppa. They arrived in Caesarea the following day, and Cornelius is waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered his home, Cornelius fell at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter pulled him up and said, Stand up, I'm a human being just like you. So they talked together and went inside where many others were assembled. Peter told them, You know it is against our laws for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile home like this or to associate with you. But God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. So I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. Now tell me why you sent for me. Father, I pray. Father, I pray that, Lord, as we go through this chapter today, part of the chapter, God, I pray that you speak to us. God, there are things that I can say, but my voice is very limited, God. It's your anointing and it's your revelation power, God, that we need you to speak to our hearts, God. I pray, Lord, that by faith we would take hold of this, Lord. God, give us ears to hear. Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The title of the message is Uncommon and Clean. Uncommon and Clean. And I want to talk to you about three different parts, really, or four, that happen in Acts chapter 10. The first one is visions. Uh, We see here that Cornelius, um, he has a a wonderful resume. He's God-fearing. He's well-respected by religious people. He's a praying person. He's led his household to fear God. And he gives to the poor. And he has a vision. He has a vision from an angel that comes and, and tells him that there's more to this life that he's trying to live in his own strength, in his own way. And we'll get to that at the end. But in this vision, we know that an angel comes. And then also Peter has a vision. And it's amazing that they both are having a vision. They're both having a vision, but something amazing happens to Peter. Peter's, uh, what God spoke to Peter, what the Holy Spirit spoke to Peter, God spoke to Peter first before the person came and spoke to Peter. And that's important because I want to read to you in Romans 16, verses 17 to 18. And this part is really about protection, so hear my heart on it. And now I make one more appeal, my dear brothers and sisters. Watch out for people who cause divisions and upset people's faith by teaching things contrary to what you have been taught. Stay away from them. Such people are not serving Christ our Lord. They are serving their own personal interest. By smooth talk and glowing words, they deceive innocent people. One translation says naive people. In in the time that you and I are living in, it is imperative it is not an option for us to know the Word of God. Amen. We must be in this Word. We must spend time in the Word of God. We must read it until it reads us, until it gets inside of us. The main way that God speaks to His people is through the Word of God. Amen. There are people that have experienced visions, people <clears throat> that have experienced dreams. I can remember very specifically only a couple times in my life before coming to Grace Point, my wife and I were praying about what we do next with our lives and where we serve. And I was considering a job in Oklahoma at a teen challenge there for young guys. 
And I was in a season where I really didn't like what I was doing for work. I really wanted out. I really wanted to move on. And, and so I was really considering this. Figured it's good work. It's better than what I'm doing. And, and uh, let, let me consider this. And, and I went to sleep. I had a dream. And in this dream, um, and I, I'll tell you that I don't base everything on my dreams. Some of my dreams are, are I don't know where they come from. Um, <clears throat> and so... Uh, but in this dream, I was walking in line, and, 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 and I felt that the line was going too slow. And I'm walking in this line. I've shared this before probably with the young people. And I'm walking in the line, and, I'm like, and I could feel or hear myself like even thinking out loud, man, this is slow, going too slow for me. So I tried to go around the line, and as I try to go around the line, an arm just comes out. It wasn't violent, but it was extremely powerful, and I couldn't move, and that was it. And I felt the Lord speak to my heart, said, Sal, you're going too fast. Slow down. Don't try to go around me. Don't try to go ahead of me. So, so can God speak through visions and dreams? Absolutely. If you believe that is the main way that he speaks to you, I can probably tell you that you're not spending time in your word. The main way that he speaks to us is through the Bible. Amen. Through his word to us. Now, visions and dreams happen. You remember Joseph. He had a dream from the Lord. But also we need to know that there's timing on these visions and dreams. There's a certain time. Mary pondered in her heart what the Holy Spirit spoke to her. Not everything is to be shared with everybody. Not everything is now. It could be 10, 15 years from now. Now if you're praying to get married, I hope it's not 10, 15 years from now. But I will tell you that there was a, one church that I visited one time, and so we have to be careful who we're listening from, because I remember the story that they, the pastor shared. He shared about his wife. There was a woman that was talking to his wife, and I guess she didn't know who that woman was, and, and she was talking to her and saying, you know, God really put it on my heart that I'm going to marry that man. And so she turns around and says, really, that's my husband. <laughs> there are some well-meaning people that want to speak into our lives. And, and then there are some strange people. The Holy Spirit is not strange. The Holy Spirit is not spooky. The Holy Spirit is not weird. I've been around people that are strange. You stand around them and you're wondering if they have a ex spiritual x-ray machine as they're standing next to you. And I understand praying in the spirit. I understand praying as you're around certain people. But, but there, there's just something that you could be anointed and normal. Let me just say that. And so if it gets spooky, it gets weird, it gets strange, it's not God. If someone has a word from you, you will probably, if you've been in your word, know the word yourself first. Peter got the word from the Holy Spirit before the men explained why they were there. And this is important because we have people in not just the young generation, and it's been happening for decades. We have Christians that fly, literally get into airplanes, fly around the world, travel around the world to find any movement that may be happening to get a word. I need a word. I need to get on the retreat because I need a word from God. I need, to, I need to speak to this person. I need a word. I need to go to a, a prophetic ministry because I need a word. I need to go to a prophecy room and, and make an appointment and maybe even pay some money because I need to get a word. They're running from man to man. You can get a word yourself right here. Amen. Before placing yourself under any mentor, 
spiritual authority, brother or sister in the Lord, you have to ask yourself, have you submitted yourself under God-appointed leadership? There are people that will spend their whole life in church and never have a pastor. There are some people that have been abused or controlled by spiritual authority, and so they, they can't submit under spiritual authority. But I want you to know that one of the most dangerous people in the whole world is someone who doesn't have a pastor. Someone that doesn't have spiritual authority because a real pastor would be praying for that person. A real pastor is wanting the best for that person, whether it's a hard conversation or not. A real pastor is not there to control a person. The real pastor is not there to manipulate or deceive you, but they're there to be a spiritual covering and a checkpoint. I have a pastor. His name is Pastor Daniel Johnson. When I have major life issues coming up, I will go to Pastor Daniel and I will share them with him. And I'll ask, can you pray about this? What do you, what do you think? What do you see? Growing up in Staten Island, uh, maybe you've ridden the Staten Island Ferry before. I've taken that boat a lot of times and it's slow. Okay, it's very slow, but it's free. And so <laughs> there are quite a few tourists that like to get on that boat because they get a good view of the Statue of Liberty on one side. However, no matter how good of a view of the Statue of Liberty you can get or what you think you and I can see on that boat, there is a captain on that boat. And because of where he sits or she sits and where that office is, they see things that we cannot see. And the same thing with your God-appointed spiritual leadership. It's okay to get advice. It's okay to get mentorship. But you've got to ask yourself these questions as we go through this first part of Visions. Does your mentor or friend honor leadership and teach you to do the same? Will they do the same? When you have conversations with them, is it, you know, is it this? Is it, is it the, the, the chatting that's going on, the noise, the, oh, I don't like this, and I like this, and I don't know why they, they changed that song, and, and who's singing that Sunday, and, and, and who's preaching, who's doing this? And who's, are they teaching you to honor leadership and to do the same? Because if you're going to find a mentor, you're going to find someone to help disciple you, it's very important not just to look at their ministry. Don't just look at their spiritual gifts. Look at their family. How are they as a husband? How are they as a wife? A mother, a father? What are the children like? Take a look at the family. And then also take a look at how God is using them. Because there are some really talented people that are riding on their talents, gifts, and abilities, but they're not people that are sound elsewhere in life. Are they people under authority? You have to ask yourself that question. You have to ask yourself the question, if you have a, 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 someone that's speaking into your life, does the person lead you to them? Or are they helping place your hand in the hand of Jesus? My encouragement is to run from those who separate you from unity. It's unity where God commands a blessing. There's sometimes there are people who want to step up and uh, want to disciple you. I want to speak into your life. I want to use the gifts that God has given me. And sometimes these people are hurt and bitter. And really they just want an ear to talk into. Some find security in trying to help others. My wife and I, when we first got here, we were reaching out to one of the local high schools and we had met with a uh, guidance counselor there because we wanted to start um, 
an outreach there where we were helping young girls who were either pregnant in high school or just had their baby, and we would set them up with uh, a mentor, an older woman, who could come around, and if they need a ride to the doctor, uh, they need some supplies, they need someone in their life to speak into their life. And I remember one of the, the things that really uh, was concerning on my heart was is that we're going to get, we're going to have to screen really hard and pray, because that we're going to get a woman, no offense to the ladies in here, but we're going to get an older woman who's going to try to live through this young girl and become controlling. I'm going to name the baby. I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to do all these other things and try to take the place of mom or dad. And so if you have somebody in your life, are they finding security and helping you? When people come to me and say, Pastor Sal... Uh, can you be my mentor? My first question to them is, what are your expectations? Do you expect me to hang out with you four or five times a week? Do you expect to talk every day? My answer usually is, well, why don't you find a place to serve where I may be serving too, and, and we can get to know each other. And hopefully, if I live a life in front of you, you'll learn a lot by that. Before we move on to... A harder topic. Who have you given permission to speak into your life? Who have I? Who do you listen to? And not just people. What music artist have you given permission to speak into your soul? What ministers? What podcasts? What books? We have to be on guard in this. It is so important. It's so important when, when someone always has a word. They always, I have a word for you. I have a word. I, I went to sleep and I, I had a dream about you and I got to tell you about this dream. And I got to, when people come to me and, and share at times things like that, it, it, is, it is not held very tightly in my hand whatsoever. And so we go to the Lord. Lord, are you speaking that to me? God is never going to withhold a word from you but it's going to come from somebody else. He's going to speak to us if we allow him to speak to us. And the main ways through the word. Okay, now getting back over here to Acts chapter 10. The beginning of the book of Acts is written in 30 AD. It's about seven years now until Acts chapter 10, 37 AD. More than seven years, there's a statement that Jesus made that said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel. All the world and preach the gospel. Up until this point, the gospel message collectively had not gone to the Gentiles. The Gentiles are those who are not born of Jewish heritage, and so it had not gone there. There most likely is, and I'm going to explain why, and I think you'll hear it in a second, a prejudice and a racist problem in the church at that point. Well, what do you mean, Pastor Sal? A Jewish person cannot allow a Gentile in their house for any reason. A Jewish people had nothing to do with Gentiles. Actually, if their clothing accidentally touched the Gentile, they would go home, burn the clothing, and then take a ceremonial bath. There is one historic writing in Jewish history that says, and some believe it says that the Gentiles were actually used to keep the fires of hell burning. And so we have a problem here. Because Jesus said, go into all the world. 
And it's amazing that Cornelius is praying at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Earlier in the book of Acts, the, 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 the new believers were going into a prayer meeting at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Now, I don't know if they were still playing, praying at 3 o'clock in the afternoon at this time. But what's very interesting is I wonder if they did. And they went into the prayer meeting, like a Tuesday night prayer meeting, and they said things like, God, save the lost that are around us. God, send us to those that nobody wants to go to. God, do miracles, right? They prayed that in the beginning of the book of Acts. Stretch forth your hand and do miraculous signs and wonders. But, and I'm not saying they said that word, but maybe in their hearts they had the Jewish community in mind only. Because Peter needed a revelation from God to see people made in the image of God. He needed something supernatural. Remember, in the end of the Gospels, Jesus was walking and talking with Peter and said, you know, when you get older, you're going to go places that you don't want to go to. And there's people praying right now as we sit here in church service. They're home. Yesterday, not intentionally, I drove on Main Street in New City and I didn't even really realize that was going to happen, but there, there was some demonstration going on concerning Roe versus Wade and the overturning of it. And I, I saw a woman, I think she was with her daughter. Her daughter probably looked somewhere end of middle school, early high school. I'm assuming it was her daughter, and she was crying, crying in tears, very distressed as she held her sign that said, my body, my choice. And her daughter looked like she wanted to console her, but nothing there. But, but what happens when one of us runs into that person in this community? Because she may have woken up this morning and said, God, are you real? God, where are you? Confused and twisted as it is. Because Cornelius was not a believer at this point, but he was a praying person. But if there's any prejudice, and I hope you know the difference between prejudice and racism, prejudice is making a prejudgment on somebody, not solely based on their skin color or ethnicity. Racism is saying that someone is inferior, superior, based on their ethnicity, skin color, race. And if Peter and the church keeps that in the heart, the gospel doesn't go to the Gentiles. But if the church today keeps that in their heart, the gospel doesn't go to the broken and the lost and the hurting. I'm grateful for the over 70 nations that represent Grace Point. It's amazing, I think, that there are people in this world that would come into this place and they would try to figure out, how does everyone get along? The United Nations can't. Yet we walk into a building here in the middle of Rockland County with different economic backgrounds, ethnic backgrounds, nationalities. You see people smiling and encouraging each other. We see people getting along. But my challenge to you is, does that getting along happen outside of 384 New Hempstead Road? Is anyone welcome to your dinner table regardless of their skin color? If your young adult brought somebody home that looks different than the rest of the family, or if your young adult approached you and said, there's someone I'm interested in dating and marrying and they look different than the rest of your family, how does that sit? There are those that 
can't move past this, maybe because of hurt and pain. But if they don't move past it, the gospel doesn't continue in the book of Acts chapter 10. And it wasn't moved past because of an organization. Peter didn't go to sensitivity training. Peter did not join the newest movement, an organization that doesn't represent Christ. And be very careful about organizations that seem to be fighting for justice. There's a difference between biblical and social justice. Social justice is trying to give something to you and taking it from someone else. Biblical justice is restorative. If a person doesn't have a home, we find a home for them. It's restorative. Because when our hearts get involved in organizations and movements that don't represent Christ, then we get poisoned. And we begin to see people not made in the image of God. That's why the Bible says in the last days the love of most will grow cold. And so as we face the giants of prejudice and racism and allow God to move in our hearts and do that deep work and that healing work, we can move forward with the gospel. Because in order to move forward, we need victory over this. God wants to use you. He wants to send you. And maybe there's some cultural awkwardness at first because for many... Maybe culturally we've kind of only stayed with people that look like us and sound like us and eat similar foods and do similar things. And, but as you push past those things, you will see men and women and children made in the image of God. It was a word from heaven that Peter's heart changed. It was a word from heaven when God said, don't call something unclean if God has made it clean. A word from heaven that said that the gospel will now be for everyone and every person And so Romans 8.1 says this, Therefore there is now no condemnation. And that means no guilty verdict, no punishment for those who are in Christ Jesus, Amen. who believe in him as their personal Lord and Savior. It is level ground in the kingdom of God. It is level ground. There is no race up here, race down here, this human race. It's not older up here and younger down here or young up here and older down here. It is level ground in the kingdom of God. The title of the message is Uncommon and Clean. Well, Pastor, if there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus, then why do we confess sin when we sin? Because you need to know that if you are a Christian in this room, you've surrendered your heart to Jesus. The Bible says there's no record of your sin anymore. God chooses to forget. Some of us, we walk around with the heavy weight and the load on our back, living in regret of yesterday and unable to move forward because of condemnation. But then why do we confess sin? We confess sin because there's a promise in there. And when we sin, we are honest with God. You need to know that when we sin, God never leaves us nor forsakes us. The Holy Spirit doesn't fly away and then we get right again and he flies back. He will never leave you nor forsake you. In your worst day, he will never leave you nor forsake you. If he can get any closer, I think he's closer on our worst days. On the day where you get up in the morning, and I think that's why maybe even on Tuesday night, I think some of us in this room, we get up 7 o'clock in the morning, and before 7 o'clock at night, we have something that went wrong. Maybe it was a failure, and we say, you know what? God can't use me. He can't hear my prayers. He can't use me in that prayer meeting, and so we stay home and we sit on the bench. There is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. 
We confess sin because there's a promise. The Bible says if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us. Praise God for that. But there's another part. It says, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. To cleanse us. If we want to see change in our life, it happens as we are honest with God. As we are honest with him about our failures that he turns into strengths. Our weaknesses that he turns into strengths. As we are honest with him, he knows it all. He knows what we're thinking right now. He knows what we're looking at if we're not paying attention on our phones. He knows. <laughs> and he wants our attention. Acts 10:15. When I was talking with Pastor Daniel, kind of talking a little bit about what to share in this chapter, and I was saying these are some thoughts that are on my heart, and I think they're going to put Acts 10:15 on the screen. It's in two translations. I said, but there's, there's this one verse that keeps coming off the page. There's this one verse that's really at least burning in my heart. And in the New Living Translation, it says this, and this is the voice talking to Peter. But the voice spoke again, do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. You and I have no authority to look into somebody's life and call them unclean. You and I have no right to point a finger in someone's wound, as my friend would say. And I like to sit here and say I've never been the voice of the condemner, but I have been. And it just damages people. But the truth and the reality is that if you are a Christian in this room, you are made right with God. You don't become writer. You were made holy the moment that you became a Christian. You don't become holier. Because then we got a problem of self-righteousness. In the ESV it says, and the voice came to him again a second time, and what God has made clean, do not call common. You are not common. Amen. You are an uncommon person. Actually, in 2 Corinthians 5.17, the Bible says this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, and a new life has begun. Old life is gone. There's some fathers in the room that still sit in regret for decades because they wish they would have made a difference and you still have time to make a difference. You can't walk forward with your head backwards, folks. And so you got to move forward. The Bible says forget what's behind and press on towards what's ahead. You are clean if you are a Christian in this room. And someone says, hey, that's cheap grace, Pastor Sal. Actually, that's the grace that makes you fall in love with Jesus. Because when you realize what he did for you, he made you right by his blood. You won't want to sin anymore. The Bible says if you love him, you obey him. In other words, as we fall in love with Jesus, we will want to obey him. We won't want to hurt him. There's a difference between a struggle and a choice. There's people who struggle, and we all do, in one aspect or another. And when we fail in that struggle, it breaks our heart. And there's people who play games, and they make whatever choice they want to make. This is not for them. Psalm chapter 3 tells us that God lifts up our head. I believe he lifts up our head to behold the cross. So many times I've seen people come to an altar call, whether it's young people or older, and they got their heads down. You want to just go over there and just pick up their head. Don't walk with your head down. Don't walk with your nose in the air, but don't walk with your head down. You walk with your eyes on the victory at the cross. You walk with your eyes knowing what he did for us on that cross and you behold that victory. You are clean. Isaiah 54, 17, New King James Version 
says this, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue which rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. You shall condemn. The condemning voice that comes against us, we have the right to condemn. And so when the enemy comes and says you're no longer God's son because you had a bad day, you have the right to condemn that voice and says, no, I am in the hand of God and nothing can take me out. Because we are made right, we are loved, we are chosen. The Youth and Young Adult Ministry is not named that because it sounds catchy. We are chosen by God. Everyone in this room is chosen by God to represent Him, to reflect His glory, and to have a relationship with Him. We are adopted into the family. We are His. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. If you don't know this, and if you do, let me say it anyway. When God sees you, he sees you just like you've never sinned. It's called justification. We wake up and we look at ourselves in the mirror and, and and we see our failures and our faults and our flaws and our weaknesses, but the reality is God sees us covered. That's why the, the, the younger people here that may still pray it, and the older people that would say, cover us in the blood of Jesus, we are covered in the blood of Jesus. Actually, if we weren't covered in the blood of Jesus, we wouldn't belong to him. What it means when we're saying we're covered in the blood of Jesus is this. It means when God the Father looks down and says, that's mine. Amen. We're covered with his righteousness. Yes. We're forgiven. Forgiven. We're not just people with a different worldview. We're not just people that have an argument with other arguments in this generation. God lives inside of you. Amen. You are ordinary and so am I, but we're not common. Thank you. Don't call something common if it's not common. We are not common. Deuteronomy 33:29 says, How blessed you are, O Israel. Who else is like you, a people saved by the Lord? Who else is like us? Who else? There's no other way to heaven. And if you're a Christian in this room, think about it. Eternity, forever and ever, is our home in heaven. Who is like a people like us? We have the promises of God. We have the authority of God. We have the comfort of the Holy Spirit. We have wisdom available to us. He prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies. You may go home to a hard situation. You may go to a hard workplace tomorrow. You may be going into a hard school next year. You may be going into something tough, but there is a table of provision in front of us, and it's the promises of God, and we can feast on them. We can feast on the promises of God. Who else is like you. You are not just another voice thrown in with the other voices. The church is the pillar and foundation of truth. We have the truth. We have a God who changes our lives. A God who made us brand new creations. We have Christ in us, the hope of glory. It says he is our protecting shield. This week with the overturning of Roe versus Wade, it was heavy on my heart to pray a lot for protection for this weekend, for 
But I want you to know that God hears our cry and our, our prayers for protection. But at the end of the day, it's God who protects us. Amen. You are until God says you're not. You walk honestly with God. You are until God says you're not. Amen. Your enemies, let's go back a step, your triumphant sword. We know the word of God is a sword. That your enemies will cringe before you. Why? Because you're like Cornelius? No. Your enemies are not going to cringe before you cause, just because you're a God-fearing person. Your enemies won't cringe before you just because you pray regularly. Your enemies are not going to cringe before you because you tithe. Your enemies won't cringe before you because you will respect it. Your enemies will cringe before you because the Lion of Judah lives inside of you. Amen. There is a lion that lives inside of you that is greater than the roar of this generation and greater than the roar of this culture and greater than the roar of the enemy. And that lion that lives inside of you, we need to let loose in this generation. We don't need to keep him held up. We don't need to limit him. And we need to let him out. Amen. And we need to let him out, and the voice of truth needs to come out of our lives. And you will stomp on their backs. Now, these are not physical people, but those spiritual enemies that come against us, the Bible says that Satan will be under our feet. We have authority in Jesus Christ for spiritual warfare. We have authority. If you use it, you have authority. He won't fail you. And he won't fail me. And your name is at, his name is at stake. Listen to that. You can watch a, a television show. And sometimes you hear like, well, I'm, I'm not going to do that because my, my name is on it. And it could be something about cooking to doing a house. And, and that's nothing compared to what God's talking about. His name is at stake. He's going to finish what he started in me and in you. He's not going to fail us. If you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, everything else will be added. If you walk honestly with him, you walk in honesty. When you fail, you admit it and confess it. When God brings blessings to your life, you give God the glory. And every single voice in this world submits to the word of God. You are invited to the throne of grace. You are invited. Whether you feel loved at the moment, whether you feel close to God or far away, if you are a believer in this room, you've surrendered your life to Jesus, you are invited to the throne of grace. And you go to that throne not with your head down. And you don't go to that throne with your nose up. You go to that throne with humility in the heart, knowing that you are what you are by the grace of God. None of us can stand unless it's for the mercy and the grace of God. But you go to that throne and you begin to pray and you go to that throne and you get what you need for your family. And you go to that throne and you get the strength and the power that's at that table of provision. Cornelius had a wonderful list. I think most pastors in America would take anybody with this list, but Cornelius had a problem too. See, Cornelius was God-fearing. He gave generously to the poor. He prayed consistently. He was obedient to a vision that God gave him. He was well-respected by religious people. Maybe some of those people were believers or not. But the problem that Cornelius had was he wasn't a Christian. 
the gospel message has not yet gone to his house. It will next week when we talk about the rest of Acts chapter 10. Because remember, when Peter showed up at his house, what did he do? He began to worship a man. He didn't know the gospel message. He didn't know the salvation that's found in Jesus Christ alone. And so you may be here today, and like Cornelius, you pray all the time. You give to the poor. You fear God. You even want your home to fear God. But maybe you're not born again. Maybe your heart has never truly been surrendered to Jesus. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. Last Sunday, we celebrated Juneteenth. Emancipation Proclamation makes its way to Texas. In a little over a week, we'll celebrate Independence Day when our country declared its freedom from Britain. But there's something better than both of those days. It's our Independence Day from sin. It's our freedom from the bondage and the chains of sin. And so you may be on the frontier, you may be in the balcony, and the question is, are you born again? Do you know if heaven is your home? Do you know if you've stopped breathing today that you would be in heaven? Not because of this list. Not because you go to church every Sunday. Not because you serve in a ministry. Not because you memorize scripture. But because you've repented and turned your heart over to Jesus. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? If you're here today, you say, Pastor Sal, yep, it's not me who got you. No one's trying to get you. Someone's trying to love you. His name is Jesus. And you would say, Pastor, I got that list. I I got a resume. My resume looks pretty good. But my heart, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. I've never surrendered to him. You may be online right now. You can seek all the things about God. You can seek the, the sacraments and the statues. There's not a priest and there's not a pastor who can do this for you. You must make a choice now. I'm not going to call you up here. I'm not going to embarrass you. But I want to be very direct. If you've never surrendered your life to Jesus and you want to, I just want to pray with you. Will you raise your hand right now wherever you are? Balcony to the floor. Praise God. Praise God. I see your hands. I see your hands. Pray this simple prayer with me, but mean it. Mean it. Say, thank you, Jesus. I'm giving you my life. I'm turning from sin. And I put my trust in you, Jesus, to forgive me. I'm sorry for all my sin. Please forgive me. I believe you died for me. And that you are God. Be my God. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Jesus, I follow you. My heart is yours. And you are mine. And I open it wide to you. Completely change my life to bring you glory. In Jesus' name. The rest of us, let's stand together. I want to close with a verse.
Now, I know how this goes because Pastor Daniel's usually here and I'm usually over there. And let me look this way because there's people moving already. This is the most important part of service. I used to go to church in New York City. I know about traffic. You're not going to get stuck out there. Most important part, why? And I used to see it all the time at Times Square Church. Altar call would, it would break my heart. There'd be a line of people going this way out the door and a line of people going this way responding. Ten more minutes and you could have a different family. Don't rush to the car. Joshua 24, 15. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates? In other words... The stuff that's in the past, if there's been racism or prejudice in the past, there's been something in that past that culturally doesn't line up with Scripture, don't serve it. Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live, the gods of this culture? The voices that are prominent, the voices that are loud, we're not going to serve those. We're going to serve the voice of the Lord. And then Joshua goes on to say, but as for me and my house, as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. No matter what. No matter what. No matter what comes our way. And we will see the provision of God. We'll see the power of God. We're not going to have an altar call in the front this morning. But we're going to worship and then I'm going to come back up and pray. But I want to challenge you. Will you face the giant of prejudice and racism if it's there? The world is praying right now and groaning. And God wants to send us some people that may have, maybe in the past there's been hurt, maybe in the past there's been abuse, I don't know. But God wants to use us. And just like in the book of Acts chapter 10, we've got to get over this. We've got to win victory here in order for the gospel to go forward. Will you face the giant of condemnation? Some of us, we live with the, with the guilt and the condemnation and we can't move forward. You're uncommon and you're clean. Maybe for some of us in this room, we need a revelation of that. We need to hear it from God, not from me. That if you're a Christian in here, you're clean. He said, don't call something unclean if I've made it clean. You're clean. You're made right with God if you're a believer in this room, but we need to hear that from God. You're not common. Listen, you face the giant, but the battle belongs to the Lord. And we're going to worship and however the Lord is speaking to your heart, I want to encourage you, don't leave. Spend a few minutes praying as they lead us in worship, and then I'll close us out in prayer.